Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn from Corey's Digs. How are you, Corey? It's good to be back. <laughs> I'm Isn't doing it? All right. How about you? I was doing, I'm doing good. It, you know, we took a little break. It's great to be back. I'm feeling refreshed. I got chickens now. I'm excited about That's raising so chickens. I'm so envious. I wish I could have chickens here. <laughs> yes. So a lot I of changes. I don't know how to have chickens in the woods in like a very small area. Yeah. Yeah. You got to work that stuff out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of catching up to do. I know that you had um, a couple of announcements up front that we were going to go over. And then we're going to take um, the rest of the time to do a deep dive into my latest report. So I'm just going to hand it over to you with those couple of announcements first. All right. So, so we have an excellent must watch if you're a subscriber of the solution series. Uh, it's The Power of Constitutional Education with Chris Ann Hall, and it is a phenomenal episode. So I highly recommend people watch that. The preview is coming out uh, on Friday, and then Tuesday will be the full episode. Episode, And then I just wanted to kind of, you know, I don't really talk about my private life very much, but um, I've been MIA for a few weeks now, and I just kind of wanted to explain a little bit and maybe even provide a couple of little tips for people. So I've been dealing with two, um, <laughs> between myself and my two elderly animals, we've all had health issues going on. And my, my cat was uh, very hyperthyroid, extremely, extremely, and um, his kidneys were going. And so that was uh, anyone who's who's been through that. I feel for you. It's it's really tough because you know they they want to be there. They want to. They just want to keep eating and eating and eating and eating, and they're not absorbing, and it's terrible. And then they'll snuggle with you and they'll purr, and they'll be happy, and then they'll yell at you because they want food, more food. Like nothing satisfies them. It's awful. And uh, thyroid medicine did not work for him, unfortunately. Um, just made him puke. Uh, so I was doing the subcutaneous fluids a couple times a week, which really helped tremendously. However, it was very expensive. And so I know we're all against Purina and everything that went down there, but I just got to tell you, I, you know, I was like desperate. I had to get this cat hydrated and they make this product called, um, uh, Hydra and it's a liquid. It looks kind of like a brown gravy. And so like, if you can't get the cat to, to eat, um, because they become very picky, like this is the only thing they're going to eat for three days. That's all they want. They will scream at you. And then boom, now we're done with that. And now we want this. So I had like seven different kinds of foods and flavors going at all times. And then I would mix the Hydra on it and it would not only hydrate him and it would fill him out and it would make his coat nice and he would sleep longer and he'd be happier, uh, but he would eat whatever I poured it on. So that was really, really helpful um, for as long as it did last. But it it reached a point where he just, he was not doing good. And he just started, you know, the puking and the diarrhea. And I unfortunately had to put him down a couple weeks ago. Hmm. So I'm very yeah. sad over that. And at the same time, discovered my dog had uh, oral melanoma, which I did not know was even a thing. I've had dogs throughout my life, never even heard of that. And uh, it's cancer in the mouth and it's, it's awful because it's like a tumor that grows uh, in their jaw and it starts to move their teeth and over time, you know, it gets difficult to eat. So he's doing fairly well. However, while the one was yelling at me constantly wanting food, this one I couldn't get to eat food. And so everything I do is, is soft food and I feed him by hand. And so he's... Um, doing better there but i would say uh i mean he's eating more now but it's unfortunately oral melanoma is a bit of a death sentence and uh so you know i looked into it i was going to tell people you know make sure like you're brushing your dog's teeth and you look in there and you see because it's kind of hard to discern you know like it's way yeah. back there on in his case and um it it's really hard to tell because it's kind of like this hard knot that starts to evolve. That said, I did the research on it and there's really, I mean, I'm not going to have surgery and cut out his jaw or do the radiation and the chemo and all that stuff. So, well, my dog's 15, but 
even in a younger dog, I don't, I don't know that I'd put them through that because it causes it to spread and then they, it almost always comes back. So it's really, it's a terrible thing for um, dogs, but I just wanted to alert people. Like if for some reason your dog's not eating and you can't figure it out, like see if there's something going on in the mouth there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what I've been working with the last few weeks and, um, but I did get, on a good note, <laughs> I got a 16 terabyte backup drive because I blew out my six terabytes. And so for the last week, I've been migrating everything over and getting things synced for that. So I will not run out of memory anytime soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry to hear about your pets. I know how much they're, you know, they mean to you. And I know that our, our listeners can relate. They probably feel the same way about theirs too. So yeah, yeah feeling for you there because I know that's rough going through all of that. And it always happens all at the same time, doesn't it? I know. So. I know. It's just, yeah, a bit much. Well, that so explains why you've been out similar yeah, over I'm I'm wiped out I'm wiped out I got my own health issues I'm dealing with so nothing COVID or jab related people <laughs> <laughs> yeah so well, in the I meantime you've been working on this beast of a report which is finally the wrap-up to your four-part series on funding the control grid yes and this yeah. one is on the technology framework and before you get into it I just, I just got to like breeze through, you can scroll through while I'm, while I'm reading this off, but the amount of work you put into this and what you covered, because we're only going to cover a fraction of it in this podcast, people need to go in here and, and look at the level of, cause you know, you say technology and you're like, oh, cell phones and computers, computers. Oh no, 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 no. This like gets into all areas of tech and you pretty much covered all. So I just, I just want to like blast through these subheaders so people understand the extent of this. And you of course get into the funding. This goes into the NDAA and the omnibus um, spending bills. So you cover, cover that, but you give the background and the context of like what this money is going towards and how this is building, you know, our wonderful enslavement system. So you cover advanced computing and artificial intelligence, uh, advanced wireless, 5G, electromagnetic spectrum and directed energy, biotechnology, nanotechnology and brain computer interface, CBDCs, digital IDs and distributed ledger technology. Uh, you break down the entire spending of the budgets there. The advanced computing and artificial intelligence um, across federal agencies, scaling up advanced computing and AI across the Defense Department, uh, 5G transition throughout America and the military, electromagnetic spectrum superiority strategy, I'm interested to hear about that, and directed energy, uh, advancing emergent technologies for future pandemics, accelerating investments and expediting approvals in biotechnology, uh, biosurveillance tools, biosecurity, biodefense, goodness, biowarfare, uh, cyberspace activities and critical technologies, preparing for perpetual emergencies, uh, fast-tracking operations and capabilities, transitioning U.S. businesses, critical technologies into major weapons systems, education, training, workforce, and university partnerships, international cyberspace strategies, and, and then you summarize it all up. I mean, it is, it is a beast. So, <laughs> it is. so that's why, that's why I've been MIA for the last right? month. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Edge has been very busy. Yeah. So let's, is... let's get into this. Yeah. So this is a full scope report. It is the last part of a four part series that I called funding the control grid. So basically this report breaks down the funding for all the emerging technologies that are being weaponized against the public and turning the country and the world really into a surveillance and enslavement state. Okay. So I think that after you're reading this report, 
you should have a good idea of where we're at with <laughs> the development and deployment of these emerging technologies and how much money is going into them, as well as who are the key funders. So I've broken it down, as you've said, um, this what I describe as the technological control grid into categories of key emerging te technologies. That includes, as you said, artificial intelligence, advanced computing, big data, 5G, biotech, nanotech, CBDCs, and digital IDs. So uh, many of our viewers are very well versed in these technologies, while some are not. And that's why it was really important for me to provide background and context on each of these emerging technologies, just to get readers up to speed on the status of some of these emerging technologies and how they're being weaponized against us. So I kind of broke it down into those categories and gave a status update on advanced computing and artificial intelligence first, and then so on. So I can give a little bit of information background before we get into the funding. The first section, I talk about advanced computing and artificial intelligence and how really the two heavyweights in the arena of AI are open AI, which is everybody knows as chat GPT or their latest one being GPT-4, and they've partnered with Microsoft. And then the other big player is Google's DeepMind, which they have several large language models. Uh, DeepMind, uh, Google has several large language models, Chinchilla being DeepMind's uh, large language model that isn't available to the public. But Google has released Bard, which is sort of like a competitor to ChatGPT, and in response to Microsoft sort of incorporating GPT-4 into their Bing search engine. So Google released Bard to the public, which is another large language model that's powered by Lambda and Palm. And uh, this I, stuff is moving so fast. Really, really fast. Okay. Man. It, it's really hard to keep up with the latest information, but um, I get into kind of what's going on with chat GPT, how quickly it's moving and how it can be, what are the criticisms of it, how it can be used and weaponized uh, for social engineering, it, it can replace jobs, hacking and phishing scams, things like that. I really just don't understand people are they're, how how their people are captivated by the mm -hmm. many uses of chat GPT, but I just okay. don't see enough criticisms of unleashing this kind of powerful experimental AI onto the public. I mean, we really need to wrap our heads around how this is going to change everything from oh, edu yeah. from education to work, banking, media. business, media, journalism politics, government, and the case, uh, and it comes with major risks to the public for being weaponized against us, whether it's used to sway public opinion and change the outcomes of elections, uh, which we're very familiar with happening already, um, or used for hacking and phishing in order to compromise powerful people and nations, or whether AI is just and big data and advanced computing is going to be used um, for operating a complete surveillance state over the population. I mean, these are serious, serious implications that we need to be discussing. And up front, Google, for example, uh, they pretend to care about AI safety. But we, we know that, say, Larry Page, the co-founder of Google, or Ray Kurzweil, the director of engineering, they're actually pursuing behind the scenes a digital superintelligence and transhumanism. And I wanted to play a short clip on, in this interview that Elon Musk did with Tucker Carlson. And he was talking about um, kind of the origins of open AI. Regardless of what you think of Elon Musk, I do think that he's being uh, truthful here in how AI, open AI started and how it was in response to uh, Larry Page over at Google and what they are doing with AI. So I'm going to play this short clip real quick. Uh, Back when it was a nonprofit. Yes. Um... I mean, the, 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 the reason 
uh, OpenAI exists at all is that um, Larry Page and I used to be close friends, and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto, and I would talk to him late into the night about uh, AI safety. And at least my perception was that Larry was not taking uh, AI safety uh, seriously enough. Um, and um, What did he say about it? He really seemed to be um, one, one, one sort of a digital superintelligence, basically digital god, if you will, uh, uh, as soon as possible. Um, he wanted that? Yes. He's, he's made many public statements over the years uh, that, that the whole goal of Google is uh, what's called AGI, artificial general intelligence or artificial superintelligence. But, you know, and, I, and I agree with him that the, there's great potential for good, um, but there's also potential for bad. And so if, if you've got some... Um, radical new technology, you want to try to take the set of actions that maximize probably it, it will do good and minimize probably it will do bad things. Yes. Um, it, it can't just be helpful leather, let's just go, you know, barreling forward and, you know, hope for the best. And then at one point, uh, I said, well, what about, you know, who we're going to make sure humanity's okay here? Um, <laughs> and, 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 um, uh, and then he called me a speciest. Uh, <laughs> did he use did he use that term? Yes, and there were witnesses. The other, I wasn't the only one there when he called me a speciesist, and so I was like, okay, that's it. Uh, I've yes, I'm a speciesist. Okay, you got me. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fully a speciesist. Um, busted. Um, so um, that was the last straw. At the time. Uh, Google uh, had acquired DeepMind, and so Google and DeepMind together had about three-quarters of all the uh, AI talent in the world. They obviously had a tremendous amount of money and uh, more Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't actually uh, followed this very, very much, obviously, because I've been a bit out of the loop the last several weeks here. So have you... Have you observed different examples of it being used, Edge? Chat GPT? Yeah. Yes. And how's it looking? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Yeah, I've definitely see, seen how it's got a political bias. It's totally woke. It will not mm-hmm. be uh, forthcoming with information. It will straight up lie. It will. It, it's being trained to lie and right. be, and be deceptive. Um, uh, with its answers and in the name of political, you know, social justice, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And then just flood the market, flood it everywhere, and mm-hmm. they've got it handling the narrative for them. Right. So yeah. it, that clip cut off, but if the rest of the clip in, in that clip, um, Elon goes on to explain how he had created OpenAI in response to this sort of uh, monopoly that Google was developing through DeepMind on AI with somebody backing it who really wanted to create a super AI without really any safety measures whatsoever and with this sort of intention of creating an AI god. And so he says that OpenAI was created to be um, open source. It was created to be nonprofit. But now OpenAI, he he left OpenAI, I think, back in 2015. But now OpenAI AI is closed source. It is for profit. And it is driven and basically run essentially by Microsoft. So, you know, you got Google and you got Microsoft, you know, Bill Gates right. is Microsoft running things for AI. Now, uh, Elon Musk has since said that he thinks that he may create a third option, although it is pretty late in the game, um, compared to these two um, giants in, you know, the AI field. Right. Um, but I get into more details in this report uh, about AI and advanced com- computing and the money that's pouring in from governments and the private sector and how lawmakers are really, they have done little to regulate this technology. I talk about how there are a number, a number of, of uh, people in the industry 
that are saying, you know, this is really equivalent to when nuclear weapons were invented, right? Um, mm. That's how much of a game changer that it is. It completely changed war, fight, for, war fighting uh, when nuclear weapons were invented. And that's how disruptive and dangerous AI will be, not just for in war, but in every aspect of life. But it's just not being regulated in the same way that, say, weapons or other dangerous tech, emerging technologies are supposed to be regulated. So um, I get into that, the, the lack of... Um, regulation on it and uh then i you know it, it goes into great detail about the potential um that this sort of thing this sort of technology has um on on us as we've just talked about with you know um swaying elections swaying public opinion um compromising people and nations um and really used for um complete and total surveillance um so but then I get into the status of advanced wireless and 5G uh, and kind of where we're at with that advancements on deploying 5G. And, and they and- already have advertisements out promoting 10G. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're already talking about 6G and on, on and on and on. All right. So, but we have to think about 5G as sort of like the backbone for the rest of the control grid. I mean, they need the 5G to handle this growing number of Internet of Things devices, which connect to create a full surveillance grid. And um, they also need it to support this massive data flow, uh, which trains AI and machine learning faster. So, um, so far, the U.S. and China are by far um, the the far ahead of all of the other countries with deploying 5G, 652 cities where 5G is available in the U.S. and China combined. And uh, I get into um, all about 5G from the thousands of pages of scientific papers on adverse health effects of radio frequency radiation to the potential for backdoors for spying installed into 5G equipment, even though we've restricted Huawei and ZTE equipment in the U.S., there's still some issues with that. I know sometimes I just feel like I want to go live on a mountaintop far, far away from civilization where there's no electricity and 5G and all of the stuff they've done to mess with our electromagnetic fields. Mm hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that once it's fully deployed, it will be a major issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And all of these agencies, I talk about how the agencies have really downplayed it. And this has been going on going for years, um, how they've downplayed the health effect impacts of it. Um, but um, then I go into sort of a background and a status report on everything with biotechnology, nanotechnology, and brain-computer interface. And um, I go into details about those investments and those key areas and how they are merging, really, with big data, advanced computing, and AI to, quote-unquote, hack the human animal, as Yuval Harari from the World Economic Forum um, has put it. And so I just want to play that short clip from Yuval Harari to sort of remind everybody how this all ties together and where it's going. The really big thing is hacking human beings. To hack human beings, you need a lot of biological knowledge, a lot of computing power, and especially a lot of data. If you have enough data about me, and enough computing power and biological knowledge, you can hack my body, my brain, my life. You can reach a point when you know me better than I know myself. And once you reach that point, and we are very close to that point, then democracy, the free market, as we have, and actually all political systems, also authoritarian regimes, um, we have no idea what, what happens once you pass that point. The really sounds glorious. 
Yeah, these guys always have a great sense of how to predict where things are going. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we're there. We're there as far as oh, our yeah. capabilities. Um, but I get into details about um, how the COVID bioweapon was premeditated and backed by U.S. funding. I'm not going to get into all those details because people are pretty familiar, I think, with that part. Yeah. Um, but how the rollout of the COVID jab was a really a military operation and the hundreds of DOD contracts that exempted Big Pharma from liability while the uh, Pentagon, the DOD, was using tr other transaction authority. And this other transaction authority allowed them to skirt federal procurement laws and avoid transparency and oversight. And then I get into also the uh, nanotechnology aspect of things combined in combination with biotech. There's this whole nanotechnology initiative um, you know, uh, conducted by nanotechnology initiative strategic plan uh, by the, you know, Biden regime. And this is all about really advancing biotech, uh, making advancements in biotech, also quantum computing and artificial intelligence. But you can see this is all merging sort of together uh, to create this control grid. But um, also nanotechnology be nanotechnology being combined with electromagnetic stimulus to control people remotely or quote unquote hack people. Mm. Um, I wanted to throw this clip in there because this, this um, report that um, Dr. Charles Morgan gave at the Modern War Institute, I think this was back in 2018. So this was like a prescient presentation back in 2018 about their capabilities back then. And then I want you to apply it to what has happened with the whole COVID jab rollout, where all of this is going now. So just a couple short minutes on this um, video real quick. is an idea called dreads. These are designer receptors that can be remotely controlled. So think about it for a moment. You can create a designer receptor, you can create a cell, you can put it somewhere in the body, and you can remotely activate it when the brain's exposed to the right signal. Using this technology, people have been able to transfer memories from one fruit fly to another by signaling through a, a light stimulus uh, into the retina. Right now, in, in most animals, it's done by putting a substance into their body uh, that will actually activate the neuron in the way that you want it. So you have the capacity to create any product. As long as you know the DNA sequence, you can insert it into a living system, and you can remotely control it. So in medicine, we think about how we do that to help people, how we do to repair deficits. Other people are going to think about how do they do it to expand possibilities. Now, one of the challenges that we have is that when you create a cell and you put it in somebody's body, you have to figure out where you want it. What if you want it in their brain? Right? If you want it in their brain and you can't figure out you don't want to do surgery to plant it in their brain, if I want a product produced in your brain that may affect the way you think, the way you act, one route to that is through uh, stem cells. If you're a quick brush up on your biology, stem cells are cells, they're called God cells. They can turn into anything. They hold the potential, unlike other cells in your body, to become anything you want them to become. And they can go find their home in the body and park there and do the work that you'd like them to do. You can infuse them, and they will find their way into the brain. So once you know that the technology is there to edit, splice, and program a cell, and the technology currently exists to administer it to somebody and have it go park anywhere you program it to go park, proliferate, and do its function, you can have things activated in other people's brains. So if you take these three key points, 
hopefully you can see it opens up a number of both alarming and exciting possibilities. Some of this stuff, it's just like science fiction, but it's real. So, so, so Charles, so I watched this uh, several years back and included clips from this in one of my, I can't even remember which report now. Uh, and he, correct me if I'm wrong, he was with DARPA for a while, right? I'm not sure if he's still with DARPA, but... I believe so. He also I mean, worked is, for the CIA. Just, yeah, you know? this is not just some guy sharing scientific information i mean this is like military stuff here yeah he's presenting to basically west point and you know this is um an institute that pr does presentations all the time about cutting edge technologies where warfare is heading and these are serious talks and they don't have just any joe Schmo up there this this guy has background right. with the and cia darpa He's thoroughly excited about it, and he can't wipe the smile off his face through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But that whole entire um, presentation is incredibly interesting. He talks about how you can weaponize CRISPR technology to kill specific people. Um, they, he talks a lot about brain-computer interface uh, with... Mind control. Co-opting people's bodies with brain computer interface devices i mean all yeah. kinds of crazy sci-fi stuff that is actually you know real uh that you know darpa is definitely involved with it and various other uh, you know departments within the dod and it, it's it's serious it's serious right. but right. yeah i mean that and that was 2018 I and mean, we're here mm -hmm. at 2023 where are they at so right. um but yeah that's just uh and that's just to give you guys kind of an idea. Um, but I go into kind of where we're at with CBDCs, digital IDs, distributed ledger technology, um, and give people kind of a sense of where we're at globally, where the U.S. is at, um, and what the dangers are of CBDCs. I don't have to go into too much depth here because I think our listeners have been listening to us for a while. They kind of know a lot about that but um mm -hmm. the fed did recently announce um that in july they will be um launching the fed now service and so that's kind of the latest um update is this new fed now instant payment service and this is really the foundation for their cbdc system right and uh, meanwhile, the Treasury is holding sort of uh, working groups. Um, they're not waiting for any kind of legislation. They're conducting it now. They're working out all the logistics um, so that they are ready to rock and roll the second they get some sort of authorization to do so. So um, none of which is constitutional. Mm hmm. Exactly. None of most of what we're talking about is constitutional. The federal government has no authority to get involved in our health or many of these other things. So, yep. And this comes as you know, this comes as legislators have not authorized a CBDC. In fact, there's legislation in the House right now to stop um, the Fed's CBDC plans. So, um, I think this was back in February that they um, introduced this bill uh, hasn't moved in the house, but this is the uh, CBDC anti-surveillance state act. Uh, you can look it up HR 1122. Um, but so that's kind of where we're at with CBDCs in the U S um, I get into much greater detail in the report, but I think we need to go ahead and get into the funding and so um, what I did in the second half of this report is break down the 2023 funding um, for all of these weaponized emerging technologies. And first, I want to mention that the Defense Department um, investments for research and development um, for technologies, for cutting edge technologies, uh, reached 139.7 billion uh, for 2023, making it the Ooh. largest R&D budget in the history of the Defense Department. Okay, so I list out um, in this section here the key agencies contributing contributing to the technological 
control get control grid through their research development and deploying deploying these weaponized emerging technologies so that's a heck of a list right there mm -hmm. wow yeah and each one of them except for one i believe got a funding boost um arp h one and a half billion an increase of 500 million barda 950 million an increase of 205 million chief digital and artificial intelligence office cdow um, got 320.4 million, CISA 2.9 billion, 313 million. It goes on and on. I won't list them all out. No, but we could just, you could just read off, you know, the actual organizations without getting into all the, the breakdown. Uh, ARPA-H, BARDA, CDC, CDAO, CISA, Cybercom, DARPA, DHS, the DOT's Military Intelligence Program, the DOE's Office of Science, FCC, FDA, HHS, NIH, NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, National Science Foundation, ODNI's National Intelligence Program, Office of Science and Technology Policy, and the State Department and USAID, USAID and related agencies. The so, worst, worst group we could possibly have listed. <laughs> I mean, my God, you don't even have to read the report. If you just listed those at the very top, you know, that would be all you need to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is a really good breakdown right here of key 2023 budgets that are contributing to the technological control grid. What I've done is um, given people as kind of an idea of how much money across these departments are going to certain initiatives. The first one being advanced wireless network, that R&D budget for 2023 is 254 million, an increase of 62 million. And this is across DARPA, across the DS DOD, NIST, National Science Foundation, other, all the agencies that are contributing to advanced wireless networking, which it's is essentially 5G. surveillance, none of which they're authorized to do, but again. Yep, biotech, bioengineering, biodefense across ARPA, BARDA, DOD, and NIH, that reaches 23 billion, okay? Artificial intelligence R&D budgets across the DOD and federal agencies, that's more than $1.8 billion, an increase of $97 million. DOD classified authorizations total $80 billion. Uh, DOD cyberspace activities, that budget reaches $11 billion. High capacity computing R&D budgets across the DOD and federal agencies is more than $1.8 billion. Large-scale data management R&D budgets across the DOTD and federal agencies is $1.3 And nanotech R&D budgets across the DOD, the Department of Energy, HHS, and the National Science Foundation reaches uh, nearly $2 billion. So uh, I wanted to show this really nifty uh, breakdown, um, a chart. Where I got a lot of this information from, it was a, a report submitted to Congress on previous budgets and current uh, 2023 budget. Okay, so this is sort of the breakdown um, of these emerging technologies that I'm talking about. Um, this one, in, in the blue on the left side of the pie, talks about the different technologies. The right pie talks about the different agencies investing into the, some of these technologies, okay? Uh, the biggest piece of the pie is AI uh, with 1.831 million going into it across federal agencies in the DOD. Uh, the second biggest budget is- uh, Wait, was that million or billion? Billion. Said, okay. Sorry, did I say million? You did. Oh, sorry, yeah. It's one like, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, advanced computing uh, is nearly the same. This orange piece of the pie is 1.8 billion across the DOD and federal agencies and large scale data. So big data management is 1.3 billion. Okay. Um, these are the major funders on this side here with the NIH actually being the largest. 
at no two, surprise. Yeah, at two point one six billion. The National Science Foundation being the second largest with two point one billion. The DOD being the third largest at one point six billion. DARPA at one point four two seven billion and the Department of Energy at one point three one seven billion. Okay. It gives you kind of an idea of who the major funders are and where most of the money, what what they care about the most right now is AI, advanced computing, and big data. Yeah, um, but one of the ones I always keep my eye on is NSF, the National Science Foundation. And if you look at a map across the country of where all of their wonderful facilities are set up and what they have going on, it's transhumanism. Yep. Yeah. National Science Foundation is a massive funder of this agenda, uh, the technological control grid agenda. When it comes to biotech, though, biotech, bioengineering and biodefense, the National Institute of Health is by far the biggest funder. That's over 20 billion just this year. Um, so oh. this is the NIH's website. They post this really nifty, um, like breakdown <laughs> of their funding for 2015 through 2024, actually. But um, you know, I just added up everything between biodefense, bioengineering, and biotech on what they're funding in 2023. So um, this budget right here. Um, of the NIH funding biotech, bioengineering, and biodefense um, compared to all of the other uh, emerging technologies combined, uh, mm. it just blows them away. It dwarfs them um, on all of that funding. So that is really the main focus well, I mean, is in biotech, bioengineering, and biodefense um, with yeah. tw- over $23 billion going into that. Um now, this is with the exception of the classified programs, which we don't get to know what <laughs> kind of technology fund There's they're another funding. There's another $80 billion. Yes, we don't get to know what kind of technology they're funding with that $80 billion. Human experiments. Yeah, yeah. So getting into some of the legis- legislation and kind of a breakdown further from there, um, DARPA is spending, was talking, let's talk about artificial intelligence and advanced computing, computing for a minute. Uh, and look at the omnibus bill and the NDAA funding. So DARPA is spending 412 million in AI research and development this year. And the National Science Foundation is spending 687.7 million hmm. with the while the DoD is spending 241 million. So that kind of shows you the big, the big players in AI right now. Department of Energy is spending 148 million on AI and another 245 million on quantum computing. NIH is spending 135 million on AI to advance biomedical innovation and another 85 million on quantum computing plus 70 million for using AI and machine learning to create new drugs because that will work out well for us right Um, Right. so the ndaa establishes a pilot program and um, this is for the dod to share um, their shared data repositories for uh, with the private sector private organizations to advance ai and machine learning with the intention of then procuring that those AI capabilities. So it's this public-private partnership sharing big data to advance AI so the DOD can acquire it. Um, the NDAA, is also requ- NDAA also requires that the top officials in Cyber Command, uh, DARPA and the NSA and other agencies, that they come up with a five-year roadmap on how they are going to rapidly acquire and adopt AI systems across all cyber operations. So it gives you kind of an idea of timeline. 
uh, they want to have this done. First of all, there's a lot of words like rapidly and right <laughs> or in accelerated this, accelerate. Yeah, they're in a hurry. Um, and nothing in a government this massive with this kind of massive amount of spending, nothing moves incredibly quickly except for whenever they're trying to accomplish these types of agendas. But they're looking at a five-year ro roadmap of implementing, um, you know, AI capabilities across all of cyber operations within the DOD. Um, I'm curious, not to like sidetrack you, but I'm just curious, did you come across what the FCC is using the $390 million for? Yeah, a lot of that, I think it's like 135. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Okay, when we good. talk about 5G. I didn't know if you covered that in here or not, because I mean, you know, we're talking the Federal Communications Commission, so I thought that would be interesting. Yeah, I do have a, a portion of that. I think 135 million goes to it. It's um, it's auctioning um, for, uh, I'll, I'll get into it, but it's about Okay. auctioning off 5G um, Huh. bandwidth. Um, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think that was it on that one. And actually, here it here it is. Yeah, so um, with regards to five G, the USDA, the FCC, the National Science Foundation, and DARPA really are the biggest funders. Um, USDA's rural development received four hundred and fifty five million, and that goes to the expansion of broadband services in rural areas. Um, the FCC they got. Um, 390 million, of which uh, 132 million goes to their spectrum auction program. And that is to actually continue their efforts to make more spectrum avail available for 5G. Mm, of course. Yeah, yeah. But see, aside from that funding, um, the FCC, what they do is they um, have a universal service fund. And this is um, basically... Uh, telecommunication companies are have to contribute to the universal service fund and with that money the fcc uh funds a lot of their initiatives um being like the 5g uh fund for rural america which they've pledged nine billion um towards Wow. 5g for rural areas yeah Great. yeah Uh, so the National Science Foundation is putting 166 million into wireless networking and DARPA is funding about 40 million in wireless uh, networking. So those are the big guys in 5G. Um, the NDAA requires that um, the, you know, Secretary of Defense um, comes up with a plan And that all of the heads of the Army, Navy, Air Force, that they come up with a plan on transitioning to 5G within three years. They they want every uh, military installation to be transitioned to 5G within three years um, as of last December. So really, we're at like, you know, two and a half years. That's the time frame on it uh, for military. Anyways. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving on to, um, and I know that you wanted me to talk about directed energy and electromagnetic spectrum superiority strategy. Um, yeah, I do get into this kind of in depth. Um, there is a strategy. Um, there's a lot of um, EMS weaponry right now and um, they're, that they're working on developing. Um, that's part of the superiority strategy um, on how to... Um, conduct electromagnetic magnetic warfare and so they're incorporating that a lot into their military training exercises um they're exploring um private and public partnerships on advancing um or converting i guess i should say um equipment commercial equipment into some sort of like technology that could be used as a weapon Uh, for an electromagnetic magnetic spectrum. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of work going on in that area. Um, and then I talk also about the Havana syndrome attacks. Um, the CIA is through the NDAA required to report 
uh, yearly on what they call anonymous health incidents. And people, there's a lot of speculation based off of um, um, evidence, significant amount of evidence that these Havana syndrome attacks are actually electromagnetic um, spectrum weapons, um, directed energy weapons. And so they're required to report on that um, as far as, you know, who they think is behind the attacks um, and what kind of weapons are actually being deployed on people. Because that will surely all be truthful reporting. Yeah, right? Because actually <laughs> the CIA, and I talk about this in the in the uh, opening when I'm talking about the background and context, the CIA, uh, the, the ODNI actually issued a report already based off of, I think it was like a thousand anomalous health incidents um, and they failed to even acknowledge really the advancements in um, directed energy weapons. And uh, they just basically concluded, oh, that it wasn't any of our adversaries that did it. Um, but the DOD is actually conducting also another investigation. I mean, we're never going to get to the bottom of it. Right. Um, and they're never going to say, uh, yeah, they're, they're not being truthful with that at all. But we all need to build pyramids to live in. <laughs> yeah so i'm um, telling you the whole electromagnetic protections and and uh, it's a whole thing we could go on, we could do a whole podcast on that yeah we sure could uh so moving on to biotech and bio warfare biodefense uh the key players in that arena and, and funding that arena are nih barda arpa h and the dod BARDA's budget is nearly a billion for advanced research and development of quote-unquote countermeasures or quote-unquote qualified pandemic or epidemic products. We know what they are. It's like mRNA technology. That's why they're right. not calling them vaccines. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then ARPA-H gets one and a half billion for quote high-risk, high-reward biotech research that couldn't be done in the private sector because that's more regulated and more transparent. So they're getting a $1.5 billion to conduct high-risk research secretly um, in biotech with little oversight. Yeah, I see yeah. we have the National Human Genome Research Institute in here too. Yeah, they only got six hundred and sixty-three million. That's oh, that's it. Poor guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the FDA um, through the omnibus is mandated really to fast track approvals that would be considered countermeasures for the next pandemic that they're preparing for, and um, the FDA is also mandated uh, mandated to fast track. Um, certain platform technologies, and they don't like to say mRNA, uh, gene therapies in the omnibus, but they say platform technologies a lot. And we know what they're talking about, don't we? Sure do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the omnibus mandates that also that the CDC um, dramatically scale up their biosurveillance bio and tracking of public health data through their CDC uh, strategic plan. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's not good. The Also the health agencies, uh, including the HHS, the CDC and the NIH, uh, they're mandated to use advanced computing and advanced technologies like say AI, for example, to better scale up their surveillance activities. But certainly not to make uh, more people in the medical industry aware of reporting to VAERS, no. No. Or demanding it, requiring it. No, of course not. No. That, that would be crazy. No one wants that data. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So the NDAA um, also requires the president to come up with a strategy. And in this strategy, um, the president, Joe Biden. I'm sorry. Did you say the president? Come the, up with a strategy? The, the resident in the White House who doesn't even know what day it is. Um, well, I'm sure have his staffers come up with a strategy for the next pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
And that kind of planning has to be in line with, get all of this, it has to be in line with the UN's One Health approach, the WHO's International Health Regulations, also known as the Pandemic Treaty. It also has to align with programs conducted by the World Bank, the Mm -hmm. WHO, the Global Fund, and Bill Gates' Gavi Vaccine Alliance. All who have privileges and immunities, which is unconstitutional, and are interfering in our health care, which is unconstitutional. Yeah, it's insane. But you see how mm-hmm. this web all interconnects. Um, all these organizations, all of these strategies, all of this money pouring in, all of these different technologies are really all merging together to form this control grid. And I hope that the the whole gist of this report gives you that 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 effect, that uh, understanding. Oh, I think it spells it out quite well. Yeah, but um, as far as the Defense Department goes and funding biowarfare and biodefense, the Defense Department received $225 million for biological threat reduction. And this funding was actually the bulk of all threat reduction funding, meaning uh, 63% is going to biological threat production. reduction while all of the others combined make up the rest the 33 percent or whatever and so you can tell that they obviously have an, a disproportionate focus on biological warfare and biological defense um and you have to understand that it was the defense threat reduction agency detra that gave tens of millions of dollars to EcoHealth Alliance leading up to the COVID bioweapon, and they still have contracts with EcoHealth going through 2024. Yep, indeed. Yeah. Okay, so I talk a bit about CBDC's digital ID distributed ledger as well. Um, This is in the um, NDAA, um, where the... um, Office of Science and Technology Policy and the National Science Foundation are required to research and develop distributed ledger technology for use cases, including digital IDs, digital passports, CBDCs, many other applications. And we've talked about this kind of extensively through, because I published a report on that specific piece of legislation um, it, it, earlier on. So I won't go into detail about that. But um, the last part of this report talks about critical technologies because I've talked about each one of these areas, but there are a number of pieces of um, um, authorizations in the omnibus and the NDAA that talk about them as a whole. Okay. And so I needed to kind of give people the gist of where they're moving with this. Um, the NDAA provides several authorizations to fast track research and development and procurement of emerging technologies. So one example is this other transaction authority. And I just spoke about this a little while ago. This is how the DOD procured the COVID mRNA injections with tons of DOD contracts with big pharma with little oversight or transparency. So just to give you a little background on it, OT authority has been used in the past to acquire like prototype weapon systems and bypass federal procurement laws. And they used it more recently for contracts with Big Pharma to skirt federal laws. And now they have more power to use OT authority in the future because they have in the NDAA um, expanded that authority by expanding the definition of what's sort of considered a prototype. So it's just basically giving the DOD um, a blank check to um, buy stuff without oversight or transparency. Mm-hmm. Again, All with right. no authority. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so through the NDAs, there's oh, also... Oh, goodness. They're, We're they're living also, in a sci-fi. We are. They're, they're fast-tracking, transitioning a lot of this technology, emerging technology, um, from private companies into weapon systems and they list off the different kinds of technologies that they're interesting in acquiring and some of them are kind of interesting like oh 
I was just lost. Okay. My screen went black for a second. I guess the DOD doesn't like <laughs> what's, what I'm talking about. It, it didn't go black on this end. At least I didn't notice it. Okay, good, good, good. All right. So um, some of these uh, technologies that they're looking to acquire um, are biotech, um, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, Um yeah, so there, I, those are the key ones that I really honed in on. Um, but Space biotechnology, hypersonics. Yeah, yeah. Autonomous systems. Oh, oh, unnamed. Oh, unmanned. I thought it said unnamed at first. Unmanned systems. Yeah, we know about that. Yeah, so I get into a lot about how they're upgrading the workforce and doing a lot of partnerships with universities to advance technologies and to advance their workforce to be able to man some of these technologies and um surprise surprise we could yeah. probably list which universities yep and then i get into the international strategies you know with our allies with our adversaries we're basically sharing a lot of this emerging technology with our allies we're trying to stop china from being able to share their technology or advance their technology that's kind of the gist of it but I wanted to uh, kind of summarize it, put a cap on, or, or a, I guess a cherry on top of all of this. <laughs> so we just talked about how the 2023 defense budget uh, for cutting edge technology was really the largest in history, but they're setting a new record for 2024. Um, the DOD plans to spend $145 billion on R&D projects. 17.8 billion of that going to science and technology and 1.8 billion going to AI. So that's like doubling their, um, their budget for AI alone. So, wow. Um, but the DOD hasn't accounted for 21 trillion in stolen funds over the years and right. they have failed five audits in a row. <laughs> and can't account for more than 60% of their assets. So this tells me they most definitely cannot be trusted. Not with a expanded budget, not with the budget they currently have. Right. Um, and this comes, you need to put this in the context of what's happening uh, in current events. This comes as the Biden regime. Um is looking to um, direct the military and the intelligence community to take steps to limit the distribution of sensitive information online. We know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. Censor, silence, oh, yeah. control, surveil. This is all in the wake of the Pentagon leak, which I think was an inside job to push the passage of the Restrict Act. Have you been following the Pentagon leak? or the restrict act at all i have not i've yeah. i've been following my tail for a few weeks yeah yeah so i'm sure our listeners probably are aware um because it's everywhere um you know every mainstream media outlet is talking about how this 21 year old kid was able to obtain the most classified documents and then you just posted them on discord and everywhere else yeah. and so now Biden needs to get the military and the intelligence community involved um, so that we don't have these kind of leaks on social media anymore. And this is coming simultaneously as they're trying to push for this Restrict Act, which is sold to the public as being a ban on TikTok because, yeah, we, we want to ban on TikTok because it's the Chinese government, right? We mm. don't want them spying on us, but it goes way, 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 way beyond uh, being um, a ban on TikTok. This is has been dubbed the basically the Patriot Act, uh, the Online Patriot Act, because what it got, does is it gives them sweeping authorities to monitor, uh, surveil um, all of our technology computers phones yeah, computers phones security cameras gaming consoles pretty much any piece of technology they can surveil it 
and uh, without a warrant. And it also criminalizes the use of VPNs. They do not what? want anonymity. No, yeah, I'm serious. Huge fines up to 20 years in prison. Wow. Yeah, this is insane and it has to be stopped. So, um, again, not- an unconstitutional, they have no authority. Mm hmm. So in the summary of this report, I linked the um, contact information for House and Senate representatives, and we need to get involved. I mean, contact your reps. Don't stop. There are major battles happening in Congress where we need to take a stand on raising the debt ceiling, uh, dramatically cutting funding on these agencies, holding the Pentagon accountable for losing trillions uh stopping these surveillance state legis- pieces of legislation like the restrict act i mean we've getting got your individual states to create state banks to pull out of the fdic to say no to the federal government because they have no authority over the states and i mean that's really in my opinion where the biggest true battle is because all they have to do is say no to the federal government in in the majority of cases yes so i mean states like, really need to take charge and get on this and the people need to light a fire under their butts because um it's really the people who have the power like we saw how um bud light lost seven billion dollars in a week because people stopped buying their product if we stand Glorious. together we can make we can make a difference now let's yep. turn that to something that's really important and talk about the all of the billions or even trillions going into funding a control grid over us that to complete create a complete surveillance state and stop funding it <laughs> yep all right that's my rant and i'm sticking to it good rant edge good job well done everyone (laughs) needs to read all four parts to this series because if you break down the funding on the biomedical framework the psychological framework and the food framework this was just the technology framework so i mean if you want a well-rounded picture and you want to build yourself a little timeline on where they are at with all of this this you, you did a fantastic job on this series Thank you so much. I'm glad it's over. I've been in deep research for months. <laughs> so yeah, I hope people get the idea, the big picture of who the main players are, where the money is going, and how it's being weaponized against us. So definitely take take this information and take action, you know. Right, and share it far and wide. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that concludes this episode. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. No longer on YouTube, so please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.